you get pigeonholed or you get declared a uh, a blocker, a bad person, a bad teammate, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then that goes into the next performance discussion. And there's people sitting around the table that that will absorb that information, right? And, and believe it unless presented some other insight, right? Mm-hmm. What I have strategically done is I have, I not only manage the relationship with my boss, but I establish a relationship, a genuine one, an authentic one, with mm-hmm. other people that are going to be in that room. Mm-hmm. So that if my boss ever goes in and says, Mel is just not cutting it. He doesn't understand mm-hmm. X. He doesn't. His boss, his boss, mm-hmm. his boss, and some of his peers will be like, are you talking about that guy, uh, Mel? Uh, that, the guy that doesn't sound like Mel. What? That guy? That yeah. don't sound like Mel. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the my, the narrative, even though I'm not in the room physically, but I am in the room, my presence is in the room because there's other people in the room that can talk about me. And that is the single most important tactic strategy that I've ever used around managing my own career. My name is Fela Abioye, and this is How to Corporate, my digital show dedicated to helping you identify what's holding you back so you can advance your career. Are you ready for today's topic? Well, let's get started. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Out of Corporate. Super excited about the topic and having my guests here today. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into it, honestly. So Mel, if you don't mind, maybe please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your yourself, your current role, your background. Mel Kirk, uh, I am, uh, I consider myself a, uh, a, a longtime um, change management um, strategy uh, executive, uh, strategic operations executive. I've worked with several different companies over the last you know, 30 plus years. I'm an industrial engineer uh, by education. I also have an MBA. Um, and, uh, you know, as we go through the conversation, you'll see that I've worked for you know, three or four uh, of the signature companies in the in the you know in the U.S. And um, you know, over the course of my journey, I've had an opportunity to to lead and to drive change and to um, really transform organizations. And in that, uh, uh, we'll get some juicy uh, examples of some things about learning your voice. So today's conversation, like Mel kicked off, is really focused on finding your voice. Because sometimes when people join a new organization or are looking to get promoted or elevate in their career, you know, they feel the need to conform, right, to how everyone else is doing things or how the organization may be doing things. And But when, when people do that, they may lose a little bit of their uniqueness to may lose a little bit of themselves in that process. So as someone that has had prior senior level executive type roles, Mel, how have you been able to face that conundrum? You know, that challenge starts from day one. I, I remember as an, as a, you know, 
a uh, starting industrial engineer. I went to work um, at a company called Merck and um, a major corporate entity, uh, wonderful culture, professional culture, and expectations on how you know people you know come into the organization, how you perform, and how you grow. Um, and in that, the first couple of years that I was there, I did things. You know, I tried to conform. You know, I tried to you know follow the norms that were laid out in terms of you know how you manage, how you relate with people, how you dress. Um, and, uh, um, in the first couple of years, um, it was hard to, it was hard to, to retain my authentic self. I know people use that a lot now these days, but, um, because I was just finding my way and it's a strong culture, uh, corporate environment. What I learned, uh, both there and then subsequently more than anything, performance gives you performing and performing in your role gives you the latitude to uh, try some other things. And in my first roles there, I performed extremely well. And I was able to, to raise my hand and move off of the normal track of development where I moved out of industrial engineering and took a job as an environmental engineer, which nobody had gone through in my path. And the only reason why or the main reason why i did it was as i was thinking about how i wanted to grow my career i wanted to be an executive down the road and potentially lead the facility and i felt like as an example as a, as a general manager down the road i would need to know things about you know wastewater management and emissions and so forth because i was in a scientific environment a research environment a research and production environment and I raised my hand to go do that. And the only reason why I was able to do it was because I had performed in the previous roles. So to me, that's the first and foremost. You don't, you don't, you don't get the opportunity to declare your independence, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. without performing. So that's the yep. first step is you gotta, you gotta do the job at hand. Now that, that, that makes a ton of sense, right? Building credibility. Right. Being yeah. able to say that, you know, yeah. you perform, you execute. So if you're, if you're going to veer off, why would anyone listen to you if <laughs> you're not performing? Right. So um, people right. are going to have less confidence in your ability to do something that's different from the rest. Right. If you, right. If you don't perform. So I think that's a definitely an excellent point, starting point. Um, so so staying up in that same vein. Right. When you think about finding your voice because i think you know many people sometimes struggle with this uh concept throughout their career and sometimes it can be a bit of a straddling line right so it's a fine line that you have to straddle you know in some organizations uh because some orgs and teams they they embrace varying perspective while others say they embrace uh, a different perspective but (laughs) you get negative feedback when you don't get on board, quote unquote, right? So with the rest of the yeah. team. Yeah. So how do you balance yeah. letting your voice be heard while not maybe alienating yourself at the same time? I'm an industrial engineer and the majority of my education and and my um, experience over the years, even up through today, has been about driving change in organizations. And as a result, you have to, understand how to manage not just the organization 
but individuals in the organization, right? So change happens at the macro level, but more importantly, it happens at the individual level, right? And so to your point about, I not, you know, about you've got managers that want you to perform, uh, conform, you like you have managers that say they want they they support diversity and different thought and so forth but it's words and then you have the people that truly do mm -hmm. and so the point that i'm making about understanding how to manage at the individual level is i've had each of those scenarios and in the case of the manager that uh had no interest in in, in diverting voices i tried a couple of times you know to go in and say um you know here's here's what here's what my let's just take the case of me having a project that i'm running and i want to go on a certain path here's mm -hmm. what my analysis says right and here's what my 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 training and my expertise and all the work that me and my team have put into to to assessing this here's what it says and this is what we would like to recommend mm -hmm. and the person for whatever political reasons or personal reasons that no we want to go in a different direction i will try a couple of more times with yeah. that person um directly but the other thing that i do is i work the periphery as well so in the one sense that person is responsible for making a singular decision or a decision as it relates to you and he but more more than likely what you're trying to drive as an individual affects a broader part of the organization so I work the other sides of the, I work mm -hmm. the 360 view to help gotcha. influence him to move in the direction or at least to have an open mind in the direction that we want. So um, if you see you've got a hardened person that wants you to behave a certain way, you've got to use his boss, her boss, their peers to try mm -hmm. to seed some ideas that for whatever reason, he or she's not receiving from you because you're too young, you're too black, you're too whatever mm -hmm. who knows what it is but mm -hmm. you know you have mm -hmm. to work for referee on the person that is you know looking that is saying uh but not living it mm -hmm. you use their words you you take examples of the words that they've used and i restate those back to them as i'm as i'm saying this is the direction that um and i don't do it in a in a confrontational way i do mm -hmm. it in more of a you know a strategic way right of, of saying mm -hmm. you know i remember when when you know in the staff meeting and we were talking about it and this was your position and you know i support that as well and here's what i think we should do you know types mm -hmm. of things so not throwing it in their face and saying but you said that yesterday but finding a way to mm -hmm. to to manage it into the conversation to help them mm -hmm. see that they're they're being a blocker not a not a not a not a uh, uh open 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 concept manager Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point because sometimes, you know, people make statements and when you hear those words said back to yourself, it it, yeah. it hits a little different, right? So because that right. might not have been their intent when they said it, but well, this is how right. you came across, right? So this is how I received it. Right. So stating it back so that way it's like, did you really mean this? Right? Just to make sure we're all on the same page. And and I love that that point of being an influencer, right, across uh, multiple settings. Uh, I think that's super important. It reminds me, you know, of that uh, old Dale Carnegie book, right, How to Influence uh, People and Win Friends. Uh, that's, that's really what the whole focus is, is being able to, if you want to be able to 
get a position across or get your point across or get your view across, right? You have to be able to influence. You have to be able to talk to folks, be able to understand. And that's how you're going to get perspective. Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right, back to the show. Yeah, even when you have the most intransient manager that does, does not want to change, mm-hmm. they do listen to somebody. They listen to somebody. Mm-hmm. Your object, objective, your mission, as mm-hmm. they say, is to find who do they, who is the person or who are the people that they listen to. No, that's awesome. And you help, yeah. you, you leverage them to help you make your point. So that's, that's funny. Um, because as you were making that statement, I think that's a method that my mom used to use on me all the time. <laughs> so, you know, you know, your parents, right, try to find different ways to getting get through to you. And especially, you know, when you're in those teenage years or rebellious years, right, you start to your ears have to close up a bit more. And anytime she wanted to get through to me during that period, she would have certain people go and talk to me about a certain message. And so she's like, OK, you can relate there to you, can, you know, you'll. It'll get through right. them. And I would probably say more often than not, it did work. So, it, you know, kudos right. to, <laughs> but for, for that method, I think that does make, that does make a lot of sense. So, so, so let me, let me ask yeah. you this then you, you talked about, you know, you, you push sometimes, right. And for the folks that may not necessarily receive, um, when you're trying to get your message across, when do you, at one point do you decide it's time to, stop pushing maybe so much just kind of get on board right whether you agree or not like how do you how do you decide when that time is because that, that happens often you know especially when we're in in the workplace where there may be a certain direction that you know our organization our team may be going and you may or may not necessarily yeah. agree and you have strong feelings about it and you make those that voice heard and you've tried to influence you try to get other people to kind of get on board with what your thought process is but it's not moving. Like, at what point do you do you yeah. just say, you know what, I got to give up, give it up, and just move on, right? Because otherwise, you start to alienate yourself or get into that view of mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not you're not a team player, or you know, you're you're, you're, you're kind of negative, yeah. or all the other uh, negative connotations that go along with that. My latest role, I chief, was chief technology officer uh, um, uh, at uh, at Ryder, and uh, had responsibility for all technology across the all um, customer-facing technologies um, that we wanted to venture into, self-driving vehicles, electric trucks, and things along those lines. Even when you get to those levels, you still have a boss. There's still somebody that has to ultimately make the final decision, just like a coach on a football team. Um, There is someone else that has the higher responsibility, and you at times will have to say, okay, boss, let's roll. And what I, and I've been asked this in, in interviews for the last, you know, ever since I was like a senior manager, I think, um, what will you do if you, you know, have an idea or a thought and, or you want to go in a direction and your boss wants to go in a different direction. And what I've always said and what I've lived is um, my job is to make the case as strongly and as persuasively as I can for the things that I hold purview to, right? If they, if, if I'm in the room for a discussion about uh, promoting you to the next role, or if I'm in a conversation about what is the right next technology, my role in that, in that room 
is to represent my voice, my expertise, my background, all of the things that got me to that point, right? And um, oftentimes, because I am an African-American uh, male, I'm also having to carry the vo voice of diversity, even though that's not my responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. And so I will, I will push my points as intellectually and as vibrantly as I possibly can. And if we come to a, a, this, you know, at the end of the road and my boss says, and the team says, yeah, man, we hear you, but this is the direction we're going to go because of X, Y, and Z. Because ultimately my boss, the CEO and the board will have, you know, the CEO more than the board will have more insights about some other things. And then you have to, you, you have to, you have to, you know, acquiesce and start to push the charter. And that, to me, is what a good team player is, right? Mm -hmm. So there's an individual that, that has to bring their talent to bear and do their part, right? And then when the team makes a decision, you got to go. And the only time I struggle with it is when I think there is a uh, moral, ethical uh, issue that's at hand, because otherwise it's a business decision. And, you know, the last person, you know, for person that's furthest up in the room gets, gets to make the last decision. So. Yeah. Oh, that's that's an excellent point. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, awesome. So, um, it, so at times, right, you know, people also get hired into roles, join organizations, but aren't always provided the freedom. And we kind of talk a little bit about this a little bit, but aren't always provided the freedom to either make mistakes or even do things differently than what they traditionally have done for years and. Um, you know, in your experience, how have you dealt with that or have you ever dealt with that um, in your past? I have. I have experienced it. So if I've had 25 jobs in my career, 21 mm -hmm. of those jobs were um, a circumstance where I was invited in or I was hired in to change an organization. Hey, and it wasn't that I was, they snuffed me in overnight. They came in and said, Hey, this guy, Mel, Mel Kirk, he's coming in. He's a change. He's, you know, he's got Six Sigma. He's got all of these, you know, he's got this expertise from General Electric and all of these different places. And he's going to come in and change our world. When you say that in front of an organization, there's about a third of the organization that will say, Hooray, change is coming. And they're on board. They, they are they are on board for a change. It may not necessarily be the change you're driving, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you got a third that is not interested, not buying it, don't want it, get out of here, right? And then you got a third that will wait and see, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so again, going back to the earlier point where I said you have to move, you have to change the organization at a macro level, but you also have to do it at an individual level as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I go to an, into an organization, I actually expect that I'm going to have some conflict. And so I go in with my ears more than my, even, even when I'm introduced as the guy that's coming mm -hmm. in to transform, change, whatever, <laughs> deliver us to uh, wherever on high, um, mm -hmm. I still go in and I leave with my ears versus my mouth. <laughs> and, um, and, what that allows me to do is to get a read on who's in what what camp right and um 
who influences whom and to your early to your earlier question about how do you get this person to move i'm going to find out who they listen to um and so get a read of the organization in a way that it allows me to then develop a strategy for um developing for getting some inertia to move because an organization your new person coming in they want mm-hmm. you to sit and learn how we do it right mm-hmm. they don't want you to change it even though you were hired <laughs> to change it yep. no yep. You know, we've been doing this for 40 years mm-hmm. trust us we got that you know mm-hmm. and so but I was hired to change you. <laughs> so I, I, I listened first. I've had that conflict uh, at a, at a, at a, uh, at a group level, at a direct manager level and at an individual level. And I still go back to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to listen, um, earnestly so that you can understand what tactic you're going to use to help that person to help that person choose to change Mm. or help that person choose to help you do what it is you're trying to do. Because I can't, even though I'm supposedly the change guy, I can't make anybody do anything. And even when I have, even when I have authoritative power, I Mm -hmm. still don't, I still choose not to use that. In most Mm -hmm. cases, I tend to choose to use influence which takes a little bit more time and a little yep. bit more listening. But I, that's where I start in terms of kind of trying to get an organization to allow me to do my job, if you will, kind of you know, spin on your question a little bit. If I am an individual contributor early in my career and I've been brought in and I'm getting blocked, I would have a conversation with my boss. And that's what I've historically done and say, you know, here's what you've asked me to do. Here's my approach. I'm getting traction, but here's the two or three areas that I need your help on. And, you know, give them the help. Give Not necessarily, I'm not necessarily asking them per se to solve my problem, but to help me understand a little bit more about the, the culture. Uh, and maybe there's some tactical stuff they can do to help clear the way, but you, it stands to reason that you will run into a case where you can't just muscle your way through and then you go to your boss mm-hmm. and you, you you ask for the help that they promised you yep no no i think that's uh that's important because um and you hit on a lot of different levels both the macro level and also <clears throat> the individual level and um coming in with the listening ear i think mm-hmm. i definitely picked up on that and being able to absorb and receive and but also finding ways to influence um but also just stating when you know you need help because you know, it's it's got to be one of the really tough situations is when you feel like you were hired to do a job, but you're not given the freedom to do. It. <laughs> you're not given the freedom to yeah. make mistakes, to to go out and try some new things. It's like it's a, it's a bit deflating, if anything. So um, yeah. and I think people face yeah. that all the time. Yeah. So uh, I'm really glad you touched on both. Um ways of looking at it because it's important for folks to be able to go out and figure out ways to, to overcome. So that's awesome. You so, know, let um, me, let yeah, me add ahead. a, let me add a point. Let me add a point to that. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I've actually in the last week, I've, I've talked to someone that was having this issue and. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, 
Don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right, back to the show. I somewhat interrogated the person to try to understand whether or not, whether or not the resistance that they, they were getting, was it real or perceived? And mm. that were there real actions being taken by someone in the organization to restrict this person's ability to do their job? Or was it, was it the chirping through the organization of we don't do it this way or we don't? I mean, it's not an overt challenge to you not being able to do what, what you were. They're not blocking you per se. They're influencing you not to move forward. And I think there's a difference in that, right? When, when folks get stumped because their boss said something or their peers said something and so forth, I think you have to unearth whether or not a passing comment or you know, a series of passing comments that give the impression of being blocked. Mm-hmm. You know, go back and weed through that and, and, and decide the path that you want to gonna take. Because I, I, I know people that just because there's noise, they they pause and you mm-hmm. can do that in that same vein when when you don't establish your voice it other people can more easily shape your narrative right even your story and i think someone once told me that no one should be able to tell your story better than you can right so you know right. for better or for worse so you know your credibility could come into question when someone else can quote unquote controls a narrative, right? Someone else controls your voice. So, which of course could shake your confidence and, and other things. So, I mean, any recommendations for how someone could bounce back maybe from a situation where, you know, someone else is quote unquote has control over their voice and now they're perceived in a very negative light. Like any, any recommendations, how one could bounce back from that. In the, in the circumstance where someone where it's happened, right? And you're in the situation and the word on the street is Mel Kirk is not good at X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, in, in that case, I, I, you know, I think you've, um, it's, it's kind of similar, right? Where you've got to work the street a little bit to figure out, um, who believes what right between your boss your hrm and some of your peers i think you go have some heart heart you know some honest conversations with people about what is it that you're seeing or what is it that you're you know um uh what is it that i'm 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 doing or not doing that is you know formulating this view of me right Mm. but you gotta be willing to hear it Mm. because some of it might be true right and yeah. so, and I have been in that situation. This is a great example, right? I'm, you're in a room. You're in a you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of five new hires, right? All at essentially the same level. Mm-hmm. And we go into a meeting with whether it's a director or a VP or somebody. And hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right, back to the show. You know, there's people in the room that are that are asking questions. Uh, some some genuinely, and some just to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I rejected that whole thing. If I have a question to ask, I'll ask it. But if I don't have a mm-hmm. question, 
I'm not going to ask a question <laughs> just for the sake of being seen. Yeah. And so early in my career, that got me listed as disinterested, you know, you know not engaged, all kind of stuff, right? That that mm-hmm. that I think that I think disproportionately disproportionately lands on diverse talent, right? That mm-hmm. that that stigma that that yep. mm-hmm. and so um so I heard that a few times in my in my uh reviews. And I'm thinking, I'm the smartest person in that freaking room, right? You know? <laughs> I, mean, you know, I mean, I've got I've got the best education, the best background, all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm the person you're singing singing that because I don't want to stand up and go, look at me. So the yeah. thing that I I I I thought about a lot was how do I change the game so that it fits me and what I'm good at. And what I realize I'm good at is I can sit in a meeting one-on-one with someone and, and, and be very authentic and genuine and, and very comfortable. And I can have a conversation because I, I feel like if you sat and had a conversation with me, you, you would see that there's something here. Right. That's, yep, that's, for that's, sure. you know, and you'd feel good about having someone like me in your organization. And that's not being arrogant. It's just, you know, between my education, my experience and, uh, you know, the capabilities and the accomplishments that I've had and my personality, I think mm-hmm. people would find, would see that, you know, more genuinely in a one on one. So when I would go mm-hmm. to those cocktail settings or those outings mm-hmm. and a, senior leader would say, you know, we'd have a small conversation or something and they would say, Hey, come see me next week or Hey, get on my calendar, whatever, whatever. I was one of the people that would actually do that. I would actually like, as soon as I left the meeting or the next morning, I'd be calling the admin saying, John told me to get on his calendar and I'd like to get 30 minutes and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the admin was like, I don't know that he really meant that, but I'm like, Santa, he said, you know, so ultimately I would follow up. And I would have the meeting and I would go into the meeting with, you know, I would have, you know, a uh, agenda of such an outline of things that I wanted to share that Mm -hmm. I felt like they should know about that person should know about me or I'm okay with that person knowing about me to get Mm -hmm. them one dimension closer to understanding who I am. And um, that's the way that I did it. Right. And I also, so that, that's how I, I helped leaders see me, right? And see my capability. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this is important is for the scenario you just talked about. You get pigeonholed or you get declared a, uh, a blocker, a bad person, a bad teammate, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then that goes into the next performance discussion. And there's people sitting around the table that, that will absorb that information, right? And, and believe it unless presented some other insight, right? Mm-hmm. What I have strategically done is I have, I not only managed the relationship with my boss, but I established a relationship, a genuine one, an authentic one, with mm-hmm. other people that are going to be in that room. So that 
if my boss ever goes in and says, Mel is just not cutting it. He doesn't understand <laughs> X. He doesn't. His boss, his boss, mm-hmm. his boss, and some of his peers will be like, are you talking about oh. that guy? Uh, Mel, that, that, the guy that doesn't has, sound like Mel. <laughs> what? That guy? That yeah. don't sound like Mel. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the, my, the narrative, even though I'm not in the room physically, mm-hmm. but I am in the room. My presence is in the room because there's other people in the room that can talk about me. And that is the single most important tactic strategy that I've ever used around managing my own career. Because, man, you don't know. I, I was a, I was, I was in General Electric and I had just, I was hired in as a master black belt in GE Capital and then, and did a bang up job there. And then they asked me to relocate the business from New York to Atlanta, transform the business processes, right? Because Jack Welch said, we don't want to move bad business, bad business processes from New York to Atlanta, change the business. So my charter. And when they asked me to do the job, I said, I'll do, I'll do the transformation role if you include the construction of the building and give me responsibility for helping to develop the culture of the, of the organization that lands in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I got to do some really neat stuff, right? That, that nobody, yeah. you know, in, in, in my background and my age at that point would ever get to do. I did that, right? We transformed mm-hmm. the business. And the next thing that came up was Y2K. And they said, hey, MK, can you lead our Y2K effort? Because you know the whole enterprise now. Mm-hmm. So there was a discussion about whether or not they should have me do a regional director role, a regional, a regional, yeah, regional director role. Yeah, leadership mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Run a business unit, run a region. There were people in the room saying, no, he doesn't know our business. He's he he's not he wasn't cut in GE power. He doesn't know our field. He doesn't because I've never worked in I didn't come up in the field organization. Mm-hmm. And even though I had just done all of this other stuff that was way more <laughs> challenging and impactful, there was people yeah. in the room saying, eh, Oh, we should give him a shot. But there was a couple of people in the room that said, Are you out of your mind? I mean mm-hmm. and so I didn't get the first shot, but I got the second one. And mm. and I went out and blew the doors off of it. Mm. Changed it, mm. change, you know, my my region was growing, you know, was doing $55 million a year, like clockwork, right? I went out and within two years, we were doing 130. And, and I wouldn't have gotten there if there wasn't people in the room that knew me beyond enough to say, give that man a shot. Because you, you don't want to sit in an organization typecast as this person that can't grow in the way that you want to grow. You don't want to spend five, ten years fighting upstream. Mm-hmm. If they don't believe it and you can't turn them, then mm-hmm. you need to leave, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, you, you dropped a lot of a lot of gems there, a lot of yeah. uh, real experiences that really show the power of, again, establishing your voice and why it's so important to not only do that just with 
let's say, um, in the work that you do, but also have influences with other people. And that's something because that was one of the questions I had was, you know, establishing your voice as a part of your personal brand. Right. And so and it precedes yeah. you yeah. before you enter a room. And I love the example that you gave because, you know, you you've been clearly doing a great job. You've been doing all these different project work and everybody's like, yeah, Mel does a great job. I love what he's doing. Okay, well, what's the next thing for him? And then, you know, you, you have another opportunity that may be a little different from what you've done in the past. And then all of a sudden the narrative changes to say, oh, well, maybe right. he doesn't really have the right amount of experience. But like you said, if he had not already had some of those supporters, uh, you know, those, um, those folks championing you outside of just the folks who were be able to make the one direct decision, then who knows what that would have led. And so that's why it's always so important to, you know, really build that credibility and establish yourself, not only just with the people that you work with directly, but also those who are in your inner or yeah. even outer circle as well. So I love, I love that example. Let me, so, let me bridge something for you. Yeah. Let me ahead. bridge something for you because I, I listened to one of your last um, podcasts. And okay. then one on sponsorship. Everything that I just talked about in terms of having people in the room that can represent you and who you are and the essence of what you can do, that's sponsorship. You know, you, when, when you're, you know, the difference between mentorship and sponsorship is mentorship, you have a, you have a relationship with that mentor, right? You're probably talking mm -hmm. to them on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, and mm -hmm. you know that person's there. Sponsorship is a byproduct of having positive discussions, hopefully positive, um, positive discussions with people throughout the organization that when they, you know, as a result of your engagements with them, whether it's, you know, whether it's doing the one-on-one -on -one things that I like to do, or whether it is at a cocktail party, or whether it is, you know, in a meeting where you're dropping some knowledge or whatever, some of those people will ultimately end up in a room where they are trying to break the tie between who gets a 10% bonus and who gets an 8% bonus or mm -hmm. who gets this next role and who doesn't get the next role or who's got to wait another year for a promotion. And also, you know, unfortunately who's on the cut line and not on the cut line when the organization has to do a reduction in force. And so mm -hmm. sponsorship mm -hmm. matters, right? Cause that's those, that's those quiet, those, 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 those folks that are out there, you know, working your working on your behalf that you may not even know about. And it's how you carry yourself, how you present yourself and who you represent yourself to be. And again, earlier you mentioned, you know, owning your personal brand and that's that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh that's man, that's that's awesome. I think you said it very well, man. Mel, you 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 covered a lot. Um and I hundred percent agree with the sponsorship piece. I think it all ties in together when you talk about, you know, you know, your, your voice in the workplace and how that mm -hmm. exudes in your work product, how that exudes in the relationships you have internally and externally, how that exudes in, you know, just how you carry yourself. And, um, yeah. you know, when people can speak about you and, and, and really on your behalf, essentially, right. When you're not in the room, right. That goes a long way. It can be to your benefit. It can be to your detriment. So, understanding the importance right. of managing that message and being the narrator of your story 
never letting anyone else narrate your story, trying to control it as much as you possibly can, right? That stuff is key. I think that's a huge element that I don't want people to miss too is, you know, um, through all these examples and through, you know, male's yeah. experiences, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, do exactly what you did, but there are a lot of learnings through those examples to say that, okay, how can I apply yeah. that for myself? How can I tweak some things? How can I modify some things to be able to better uh, position myself, establish myself, right? And what I want to achieve, you know, throughout my career, man. So thanks so much for sharing. This has been uh, fantastic and really, really enjoyed this. And, um, you know, so much to learn. I'm definitely going to share, uh, you know, your, your contact information, if you don't mind, uh, you know, yeah. in the uh, show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I think you're available on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yep. I am. Yes, I am. Yep. Yep. So I'll uh I'll share that there. This has been awesome. Gonna bring this to a close, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more content, click the link in my bio to follow how to corporate on all social media platforms. Until next time, keep building.